what an NRL 2019. Super League champions are almost crowned as well, and it's time to kick off the International Rugby League season. I'm excited, and who better to help me do this than the most vocal internationalist for the last couple of decades? It's Steve Mascord, and uh, the two of us, we had a chat recently where we answered questions submitted by you across our social media channels. Now, I planned on releasing this one last week, but like a referee calling six again on grand final day, I had a change of heart, and I'm decided to release this one after the GF, so hope it's been worth the wait. Guys, I know you've been excited for this interview with Steve. Uh, many of you have been asking me since episode one, when Steve Mascord coming on the show? Well, here he is, and I love the chat. And also, I've got some massive news that I'm so excited to share with you all tonight. A uh, little bit of a teaser. Uh, this will be the last episode of Chasing Kangaroos for a while. Yep, you heard that correctly. It'll be the last for a while. And you're probably thinking, why the fuck is Cubs leaving us at the start of international season? Well, there's a good reason. I'm actually really pumped about it. But stick around until after Golden Points. Uh, at the end of the show, I'll explain everything. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 40 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Steve Mascord, welcome to Chasing Kangaroos, mate. Michael, long-time listener, first-time caller. That's me. <laughs> I'm glad someone's finally said that. That's awesome. Thanks, mate. Uh, and, man, I'm guessing all of our listeners or most of them know exactly who you are, but for the two or three who do not, can you please give us you know, a little bit of your history? Tell, us, tell them who you are. You mustn't have many listeners if they all know who I am. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I am uh, a Wollongong boy. Um, I was adopted. Uh, um, I was born in I was born in Sydney, uh, and uh, grew up uh, supporting well first St George. My favourite colour was red, and then uh, luckily the local team joined the comp, and they wore more red than anyone else. The Illawarra Steelers. So <laughs> I was a, a fan of the Illawarra Steelers. Went to all their games. Got the corner post in the first trial match in 1982. Uh, awesome. Got a cadetship at uh, um, AAP Australian Associated Press at the end of the 80s, uh, and then moved to Sydney Morning Herald in time to cover. Uh, the first or the last, sorry, the last full kangaroo tour, uh, although I believe we've got another one next year. Uh, and uh, then I left the Sydney Morning Herald. I had three years at the Daily Telegraph. And uh, then I had uh, I quit the Daily Telegraph with no job to go to. I had no idea what I was going to do. I uh, ended up at Rugby League Week and freelancing. Uh, and I just grew older and more obtuse and more eccentric uh, and, and ended up uh, here in London. <laughs> Mate, how long have you been in London for? Uh, full time uh, since the beginning of 2018. So I haven't set foot in Australia since uh, 2017. Uh, I might be going back for the International Federation meeting, uh, which is in only two weeks. So I better make up my mind pretty soon. Uh, and I'll be catching the cheapest flight I can find if I do. And it'll be one way and I'll have to earn my money, earn my fare back. <laughs> Mate, I think you'll be fine. Come across. We'll have a beer at the at the Nines if you come in, in a couple of weeks' time, that's for sure. Um, and you, it's it's been quite a journey. I think it's well documented. You've got your book as well. Um, so happy for you to give that a plug a little bit later on if you like. But like, like I said, a lot of our listeners know who you are. You've you've been the voice or, or you've written the words 
to the International Rugby League story for so long, especially in times when no one else was really talking about it. So I just want to say thanks for that, man. You've, you've definitely, you've definitely um, kept me in the loop for many years. So, uh, and I'm sure lots of our listeners will agree. We've, we've opened up the lines or we've lo- opened up the social media channels for some Q&A and uh, pretty excited to have you on. We've had a, a record amount of questions for our Q&A episodes. I've narrowed it down to about 20, which I know sounds ridiculous, but I've actually narrowed it down. We'll try to get through as many as we can. But before that, mate, you mentioned you were a Dragons fan, then a Steelers fan. You must have been happy with the merger. You know, I was, uh, but um, I uh, since I left Wollongong, you know, I left Wollongong in, in about 1990, 1991, um, I, you know, the, the Dragons don't necessarily feel like my team because I didn't live in Wollongong uh you know, in the period where they represented Wollongong. So uh, gotcha. as, a result, as a result, I'm not like a, I'm not like a frothing at the mouth uh, Dragons fan. If they wear that alternate strip uh, that looks more like Steelers, I, I tend to uh, have a subconscious uh, switch on and I become suddenly a, a manic a Dragons fan. But generally speaking, I have a soft spot for them, uh, but I don't really follow every game and, you know, I'm not like uh, Sack Mary or oust doust or any of that stuff i'm not <laughs> i'm not i'm not kind of i'm not that level of dragons fan and so and there'd be some matches where i would actually probably want the other team to win for some other reason you know what i mean Matt, it's probably a good thing i am the dragons fan you just described so I, it's not healthy <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably a good thing i'm a bit like that in the super league so i go for st helens but like if catalan beat them or if next year Toronto beats them, I wouldn't be upset by that. So I'm a little bit, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Do you have a team over there? Yeah, I was kind of a London Broncos fan. Um, uh, you know, when I, I kind of imagined, it's funny, funnily enough, I imagined that when I wasn't sort of reporting seven days a week that, that I'd, I'd be go to the Broncos every second week and, and have a beer and yeah. that, would be, that would be my idea of a happy kind of uh, midlife, you know what I mean? Existence. Yeah. I've already kind of, I've already jumped that shark and I'm already too busy to go every second Sunday, uh, even though I'm not <laughs> reporting anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of busy with other things. Uh, so um, we've been, Mascot Browns have been approached to be a player, uh, a player sponsor next year. Um, oh, awesome. and, uh, and, and so we might do that. And then that would allow us to do a Mascot Brown stall at every game. Uh, and uh, again, I'll find myself too busy working to, to, to enjoy the game. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was a lot. As far as Super League is concerned, I London Broncos were my team this year, and and uh, if results go according to form, Toronto will be my team next year. Won't that be crazy, man? And uh, we've got some questions about Toronto in our Q and A. Obviously, it's one thing that a lot of our listeners are very interested to hear our opinions about. But mate, let's jump into the Q and A then. Um, I'll start with one from Corey Andrew Thomas. So he he got in touch via Facebook. And he said, I've heard about Steve's Super Duper League concept for the Northern Hemisphere. What about the NRL? What should, where should we have teams in the NRL by 2040? So it's a big one. What do you reckon? It is a big one. And, you know, I'm flattered that people actually still care my opinion on those issues. So I want to, <laughs> I want to preface what I say by it's, you know, my opinion is no more valid than anyone, probably less valid than many people listening to this program, but... But I will answer these questions if asked like anyone would, uh, I think, who has an interest in rugby league. Um, um, you know, obviously, the, the NRL needs to be in every capital. I, I'm, I'm actually doing a second book at the moment. I, I'm doing a book on the 1997 split season. I haven't 
got a title for it yet. So if anyone's got any uh, suggestions and they don't want a percentage of uh, sales, <laughs> then uh, please, <laughs> please, uh, please, please send them in. Uh, but um, uh, um, and I think what I, the mistake I made in, in 1997 as an expansionist uh, was that I underestimated the power of tribalism, and I didn't. I kind of thought, yeah, you can have two teams in Sydney and. Balmain and Parramatta and Canterbury can play in a lesser competition, a state league and stuff like that. And I completely underestimated how powerful uh, the IP of clubs are. Uh, um, so uh, I wouldn't, I, 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 I do, I, if everyone's happy, I mean, I do kind of favour relocation of one or two teams, but generally yep. speaking, generally speaking, you know, I think, um, you know, we the rugby league needs to be in, um, in the other capital cities that's not currently in. So it needs to be in Adelaide. It needs to be uh, in Perth at a bare minimum. Um, and maybe a, a team split between Darwin and New Guinea, uh, you know, wouldn't be a bad idea if we can get some of those, um, um, you know, mining firms up there to, to invest. But then again, I, I kind of don't like what they do to the environment. So, um, yeah. And what they've done to Papua New Guinea. So, but uh, yeah, so I would definitely say, um, you know, people say Central Coast, but. If Wollongong is not big enough to corporately to support its own team, then I don't know how Gosford is big enough corporately to support its own team. Uh, so, you know, I'm not necessarily one of those people who who, who thinks. Uh, got, I think I think we probably if we went back to Gosford as a standalone team, uh, like the Northern Eagles were there and Norths tried to go there, and even Melbourne had links. I think it might last a few years and then they might run out of money. So I'd, I'd be a bit concerned about that, but. But yeah, I think I think rugby league definitely needs to be in uh, the other Australian capital cities. And um, there's a guy called Rob Picconi who I had a little bit of contact with earlier this year. He's trying to put a team in uh, in in Wellington. So uh, if he had the right backing, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. Wellington and maybe even like Christchurch, like there definitely is room, I think, for a second New Zealand. I agree with what you're saying. Like it's hard to we have this discussion a lot it's really hard to eliminate teams from sydney like it, it it's how can you do that to a group of fans but in in when you look at the big picture like it also makes a bit of sense for maybe a perth sharks for example um i agree with what you're saying about central coast too man like it's unless it's in lieu of a sydney team like a sydney team making a decision to move there like the north sydney bears did all those years ago then um yeah it, it is difficult it doesn't seem as like straightforward like your super duper league idea for for over there in the uk and europe um it was like a drastic it's a drastic change and for anyone that hasn't heard about it there's an episode of the full 80 minutes where they can go back and and listen to your thoughts on a super duper league it's very drastic i feel like the nrl just needs to make a few steps in the right direction and and they can expand uh quite nicely um your, your next book mate i don't know if you've listened if you listen to the rugby league digest at all yeah, you know, I've heard about these podcasts, and uh, I believe they're meticulously researched and presented. But I haven't, I haven't had the chance to listen to one yet. I will, I will listen to it. Check it out as part of your research, and maybe get in touch with the guys because um, they're they're always on Twitter, so get in touch, and may, yeah, they might be able to help out a little bit. They're um like fifteen episodes deep, and they've only just got into like nineteen ninety six. So like, it's pretty. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of information there. So good luck researching the book. I can't wait to read it. Well, we're Nathan, actually up the day. We're actually only starting the morning that um, the original Justice Burgess's decision was overturned and then it goes to, okay. the, goes to the peace deal. And I lived through that and I covered it on a day-to-day -day basis. So, yeah. um, 
I'm actually at the stage now where I'm just basically going through the Herald and writing the narrative from that day in October. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm going to write months and months, thousands of words worth of just boring, you know, narrative um, of, of, the, of the timeline to remind myself and then I'm going to go back and do interviews and then I'm going to, I'm, I'm hoping what I finish with is quite a humorous and affectionate look at the craziness of the time uh, rather than a sort of learned, dry, you know, um, 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 kind of, you know, uh, academic, uh, you know, recital of what happened, you know. I'm looking forward to it, man. That's like, it sounds awesome. And it's quite funny, like 20 years later, there's quite a different spin on it. Like I, I remember I was, I was young when it all happened and as a St George fan I was just naturally on the ARL side but like when I look back I just think you know there was probably good and evil on both sides of the fence and you know it's 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 a shame what happened but you know we've probably learned a lot from it and hopefully the game's in a in I think the game's in good shape today over here in Australia anyway so but oh yeah man can't wait when do you reckon that'll be out you probably got well it has to be finished in a year it has to be finished in a year I've got to repay the advance so um, th therefore, it should be out by the end of next year, you know. So, um, yeah. So if anyone needs any Christmas bars. presents, or I'll be behind any Christmas presents for 2020 Yes, yes, hopefully. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get you back on to promote it then, mate. Made a question from um, Tate Wilkie. This was via Instagram, and we had a similar question from Alan Tay on Instagram as well. So, I'll ask them both. They're both relating to Canada. So, the first one is if Toronto get promoted. How do you think it will impact rugby league in Canada generally? And the second question is, with the arrival of Ottawa in 2021, what needs to be done to build the game up across all provinces in Canada? Um, you know, the, the, I'm not, the second part of the question, I'm not really that um, familiar um, with the domestic game in Canada and I've never run a national federation so you know even even though i might sometimes appear to have opinions beyond my expertise um on this occasion i, I i'm not going to pretend that i could advise them on what to do i mean not beyond the most basic things you know getting more people to um um you know getting more people involved um you know um becoming more uh, related to the wolf pack, um, uh, you know, more more kind of integration between the new franchise and, you know, the local competition. Um, you know, I, I believe that the one thing I do understand about Canada Rugby League is that, you know, the last international federation sort of summit over here, um, yeah. they, um, um, they talked about getting regions to bid for games. So instead of which is obviously what we have learned from the last couple of World Cups. Instead of paying to hire venues and paying to do this, you actually put uh, these events out to tender. Um, so um, um, I think the Canada Rugby League is is on that track with women's internationals and stuff like that, trying to get uh, regions to actually bid for matches and to get that sort of uh, uh, buy-in. But um, yeah, I, 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 development is definitely junior development, that sort of stuff. Is a bit of a blind spot in my area of expertise and experience. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, beyond generalisations, I couldn't really offer any advice. Um, uh, what, the first half of the question was about what. So, if Toronto got promoted, how do you think it will impact rugby league in Canada generally? Um, 
Yeah, I, well, obviously it should it should lift the profile of uh, rugby league enormously. Um, most people don't know much even about rugby in Canada, um, as anyone who lives in North America will be able to tell you. So I guess you know the thing that we never seem to do as a sport is become what rugby means um, to um, uh, to people when they when they when they hear the word rugby, they close their eyes. They most people if they know what the word means, and I still reckon most of the world's population doesn't, um, then they think of rugby union. So, um, so what, yeah. So, so I think that's going to be a real big bonus to us is that to a lot of Canadians, you know, rugby league is going to be rugby. So I think, it, I think it's obviously going to be massive in that regard. Um, as far as more specific, it depends to what degree Super League decide to engage with uh, Canada and, and take um, on board the idea that Canada is now part of their footprint, whether they just look at it as a team that are, that have been promoted and uh, you know and they don't really take that on board. Um, so I think the jury's out to large degree. The only thing I could say that would be absolutely certain is that if uh, um, Toronto get promoted, then more people are going to know about rugby league, more people are going to think of rugby league as rugby, uh, and that could only be a positive. I agree. I think we can own the term rugby in Canada. I've said it before, and I'm glad. I'm glad you've sort of said the same thing. I um, it's crazy to think that a championship grand final is going to be played in Canada. Like if you sort of told anyone that five years ago, they'd think you're crazy. And um, so like we're we're really. I think it's hard to answer the question because the the answer is really anything can happen from here. And there's 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 now a good niche group of fans in Toronto who know what rugby league or rugby is um hopefully that can trickle down through to development now once they get to the top level if they get to the top level i should say let's not count our chickens um but yeah exciting times definitely and um mate i'm gonna that was a tough one so i'm gonna ask you an easier one it's from our friend stuart mclennan um and he asks what are steve's top three rugby league um pubs around the world Oh, wow. I, <laughs> I thought like, it would be easier. I really, I really like the top house across from Oldsall, but sadly they're not going to have any matches next year. So I really yeah. like that place. If you ever get the chance to go in there, lots of great uh, pictures on the wall. Uh, it's right across the road from the main entrance of, uh, of Oldsall. Beyond that, I'm thinking, geez, uh, oh, um, um, oh, for, for I like the Steelers Club over the road from Wynn Stadium. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and I would also say uh, Hotel Rugby League, which is on the main square in Belgrade, uh, which is actually not really a bar. It's more accommodation. It's like a backpackers. It's funny. It's the headquarters of the Rugby League, and they were given that um, um, property by the government uh, as a national governing body. Uh, and it's also a backpackers, and then it's also the headquarters of the Rugby League. So it's like um, dorm, trophy room dorm um a boardroom uh you know what i mean <laughs> like it's like, this is in bel in belgrade yeah, yeah hotel rugby league in belgrade so that, that but that i mean are they you know i'll probably during the course of this chat i'll probably come up with a few more but uh i'm trying to get sort of rugby league themed pubs i mean i used to like bar wembley down at canet pla in um in perpignan but it's not there anymore i was actually there earlier this year and looked for it and it's uh it's long gone so that's 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 a bit unfortunate there's one in uh, Leichhardt on Victoria Road in Sydney. I, I don't know the name of the pub, but they play a musical regularly, Rugby League the Musical. I don't know what it's called, but that, I'm assuming that's a good one. But um, if anyone knows that one, tweet it to me. Where I'm sure the biggest tiger. It's in, on Victoria, Victoria Road. Victoria Hotel. 
I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, but the Bridge yeah. Hotel's not really a rugby league pub, is it? Like, there's not a lot of rugby league memorabilia on the wall or anything like that. I mean, I go, I've been there to watch the Angels and the Screaming Jets and stuff. You know, it's I, I'm not sure it's a, that much of a, 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 rugby, a rugby league pub, you know? I, yeah, maybe the, not. You know, maybe. the Esplanade Hotel, the great ESPY in uh, St Kilda, they actually used to have on the front bar there, um, where I think now is the ESPY Kitchen, they used to have a lot of, believe it or not, in Melbourne, a lot of rugby league memorabilia on the wall, a lot of Melbourne Storm stuff. I saw Ian Ryland, uh, formerly of uh, Rose Tattoo and X, uh, in there once uh, about 10, 15 years ago. And I was surprised the amount of rugby league memorabilia in there. But the ESPYs, you know, had it been, you know, had its uh, makeover and that, that stuff's all gone. I need to get to know my rugby league pubs because you've got there's some good ones there, mate. Um, next question comes from Northern Bush Experience uh, on Instagram, and he asked. Uh, he so he said that representatives from developing nations often mention things that the NRL could do to help develop the game in new markets. So, for example, give away the Watch NRL app for free. So, what what? And I'm not sure if you know the answer to this one, but what has the NRL actually ever been? approached by any of these developing nations to, for, for ideas like this? Yes. Um, so the, the thing is, um, the all the developing countries, that their point of contact at the uh, um, NRL is, uh, is Taz Batiri, uh, and, yep. then, and Taz sort of tries to make things happen. I, I sounded a bit distracted halfway through the last uh, um, uh, question. I, I actually picked up my phone. There was an email from Taz about nines, which uh, which sort of piqued my interest. So, but um, uh, but so so yeah, they they do pitch things to the NRL and and they do go to Taz and and then it's a question where you know how much Taz can convince the NRL to do things. You know, my my experience is that there could be better um, outside uh, communications between the NRL and the rest of the world, the rest of the rugby league world, and the NRL is somewhat disengaged, certainly with the northern hemisphere. I know they're very and do a lot of good things in the Pacific. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, um, a lot of people. I mean, if you're starting, if you're starting um, 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 something, you know, um, uh, rugby league in a new country. I had an email from someone the other day who was talking about Sri Lanka, and he said, "Who do I contact at the NRL?" You know, and their first instinct is to go to the NRL, not the RLIF. You know, so um, anyway, um, yes, I would say that. Yes, most most developing countries, as a matter of course, make an attempt to contact the NRL. And I know that as far as watch NRL, some countries do have deals where they get a kickback for each sale. I know um, yep. USA and Canada ha have that. Canada is a good example. And yeah. and, and, uh, and there are some um, synergies there with uh, the RFL as well. So um, those sort of things do happen. But but I don't know whether the NRL, you know, the the question is, there's two visions, isn't there? That the Rugby league is an international sport, and therefore the, the responsibility for spreading it is with the RLIF, who should be supported by the NRL. And then the other vision is that the NRL is this behemoth with more money than anyone else and more ability to influence um, um, the rest of the world. So therefore, the NRL should be like the NFL or the NBA, and it should actually um, uh, lead the charge. And and these, um, 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 you know, different... Um, um, philosophies, I think we're going to see them butt heads more and more in the years ahead, you know? 
Yeah, I think so. I definitely agree with that. And I like how you just casually threw in that you just got a message from Tasbia Terry about the nines. So that's a bit of a prick tease for me. But, you know, maybe we can expand on that because I'm going to ask you some Yeah, it's just questions. a general thing about Cabramana nines. Nothing to get excited about. That's what it's about. Mate, um, so Rubik's Cuba on Twitter, he's asked, <laughs> what's, the go, what's the go with the upcoming World Nines? Does the RLIF make money from this event? Are there any concerns on its profitability following following reports that the NRO are worried about ticket sales and will it be a success? Um, so my understanding is that the, the NRL and New South Wales government are the promoters. So same as yeah. Jason Moore would have been the promoter for the 2025 World Cup. Um, so as promoters, they basically give the RLIF a chunk of money and they do everything. Uh, so the RLIF, uh, you know, won't be impacted significantly, my understanding, if the crowd is disappointing. Uh, and perhaps um, what might happen, though, is that the New South Wales government might be more likely to reconsider hosting the 2023 uh, Nines World Cup um, if, if 2019 is disappointing. Uh, how that would be worked out uh, financially, I've got no idea. But But I don't think there'd be any shortage of other... Uh, venues uh, that would like to run, um, you know, this, uh, you know, run nines. So, um, uh, yeah, so will it be a success? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, it is interesting, though, isn't it, that uh, post-season internationals generally in Sydney don't go well. And, and you know, the World Cup final and uh, the um, uh, uh, Four Nations final in recent years have been taken to Brisbane for that reason. So any time you put an international event on in Sydney post-NRL season, uh, you're up against it historically. It's kind of like the grand final happens and it's like, okay, let's start watching cricket. You know, rugby league's over until next year. But maybe where would you put in 2023 if not Sydney? Uh... Well, it's an RLI of property, so I'd put it out to tender. Um, if the if the New South Wales government have already said that they were going to host it and promised to underwrite it, then you would have to say that you would get some sort of positive financial result out of that uh, arrangement. That they wouldn't be able to just pull out, you know, um, and, uh, and and have no responsibility. So. I think it will give you a good platform to put it out to tender and to uh, and to, and you know um, and to see what the other possibilities were, be it the Middle East or or Asia or, or or somewhere like that or North America. Yeah, cool. I think it's a good platform to just shop around, I guess, and see see who wants to buy it. Mate, Shrama Rugby League recruitment wants to know: Have we missed an opportunity with the uh, to have the emerging nations participate? at the down and nines? You know, I think we just talked about ticket sales being poor. So I think if we had like, uh, you know, Serbia and the Philippines and uh, Brazil involved then with no recognisable players, uh, then I think that we do have an even bigger issue with um, the, um, the, the ticket sales. So I think the, the last question answers the first, but between 2019 and 2023, um, I've got very little doubt there will be a, a, a qualifying uh, process so that the teams that go through won't be just the ones that, uh, you know, lots of people from Sydney will go and watch. I think, you know, we'll probably have, um, uh, like we do in the 13-a-side World Cup, 
there'll be teams that qualify automatically, maybe through their performances here, and then there'll be a, a group of teams that have to go through a, a qualifying process. It makes sense with like a four-year lead. It's similar to what happened with the Women's World Cup in 2021. So teams were automatically selected, obviously, but you'd think that there will be a qualifying process for 2025. I actually heard a rumour not too long ago, and it was sort of something I heard about but never heard about again, and it was that an ex-NRL footballer, quite well-known, uh, was in discussions with Tasbia Terry about hosting an emerging nines, maybe at either Leichhardt, Oval or Newtown. But haven't heard anything since. But it certainly would have been interesting, and it'd probably be a little bit of in, in areas like Leichhardt and Newtown. Then it might there might be a cool little vibe for something like that. But obviously, haven't heard anything since, mate. Um, keeping on the nines, so the guys at the Welsh Mighty Ducks would like to know which nation do we think is the dark horse to take out the the world nines? I think well, they, they want, want us to say Wales, Wales but they want me to say Wales, so I'll just say Wales. <laughs> Um, you're a bit of your pleaser, people please. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I think like Regan Grace and those sort of fellows, uh, you know, I've seen uh, uh, some of those guys in the clear, I'd, I'd be pretty pretty excited. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think Wales could be a surprise packet. Um, be interesting to see what happens with Tonga. Um, the team seems like it's just going to be a collective. It's not going to actually represent the governing body because the governing body's been uh, suspended. Uh, so uh, you'd have to think Tonga would be good team. I, I would say, say, I would love to see... Fiji begin to build the same sort of legacy in nines um, as they have in sevens. It's Fiji, yeah, so I'd love to see that happen. Um, so, yeah. I think I think the likelihood of a dark horse taking it out is small, but I think Fiji's got the best chance. That's my opinion. I'd love to see like a Wales or a France do something something great, but yeah, who knows? I can't wait to can't wait to actually see it. And hopefully, there's there's a massive crowd, mate. Um, what else have we got? So Hutch on the Twitter, he wants to know, speaking of World Cups and speaking of France, are France capable of hosting a World Cup in the near future? That's going to money. And everyone here in England sort of says that um, there's there's still not much money for the game in, in France. And as we know, Catalan's games aren't on TV uh, next year. And uh, um, there's there's definitely a, a, a strong perception that um, the answer to that is no for financial reasons, that there's just no... Um, beyond Catalans who have these amazing corporate functions that go for three hours after each game, um, but there's no um, real uh, deep pockets in, in, in France to, to underwrite something like that. It, the Catalan TV deal, so that's definitely done. Is there any chance of anything else happening there? Or it's yeah, certainly... well, they're looking, no, they're looking, for, um, they're looking for, for a new telecaster in France. The Super League are in the market for a new telecaster in France. Uh, and... Uh, you know, maybe uh, Catalans might have to put their hands in their pockets a bit more to, to fund that production. Uh, um, um, you know, the uh, uh, I believe the previous deal with uh, uh, B in Sport was just a very small amount of money and production costs. Um, yeah. So uh, it may be no money and some production costs uh, uh, with another channel. Uh, uh, but Super League is certainly um, trying very hard to find someone to show those matches. What's the? This is a question without notice. But what's sort of the vibe for Catalan over in in England? Like, do they are they resentful that there's a French side in their competition, or do they see it as a good thing for expansion or an opportunity for for dollars? Like, what what's the sentiment over there for Catalan? So, um, pretty much people who work in and around Super League are divided into two camps. One is 
they bring nothing. Uh, they bring no fans. Uh, they bring no TV deal. And uh, we let them in uh, to strengthen the strength French test team, and they don't have any French players. Uh, so that's one camp. The other camp is that they add enormous value to our competition because without them, it would just be an M62 league, and uh, it, it adds it adds enormously to the commercial value of of the competition um, um, in in ways that more or less intangible. Um, the average fan is also divided, but less, on less sophisticated terms. Uh, the average from and this is totally anecdotal, but a lot of fans really like them and they're the second favourite team and they love them winning at yep. Wembley last year. Uh, but others also say, uh, you know, they bring nothing and they're just a bunch of Aussies and Kiwis. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess they're a little bit a little bit polarising, you know. Do you think those exact divisions are would be the same for Toronto? Like exactly the same people, exactly the same division? Uh, not exactly the same people because there would be some people in the middle who go, well, at least Toronto are paying for everything. You know what I mean? They're not taking any yeah. of the deal. Uh, they're not, you know. I believe that Toronto do have to, uh, uh, don't have to pay for incoming travel next year, but they might have to top up incoming travel. Um, so there would be some people there who say, well, at least my club is getting its share of, you know, 1.9 million next year that Toronto aren't taking. So they, yeah. might, so those people might actually sort of begrudgingly be okay with Toronto, but not like Catalan. Mate. Um... Staying in the Super League, Gary Addy asked on Twitter. I know Gary well. Yeah. English Super League. Play- <laughs> well, Gary wants to know: Should more English Super League players go to the NRL to increase England's chance of winning the next World Cup? So, along the lines of what Wayne Bennett has said recently as well. You know, that depends from whose perspective. Uh, from the players' perspective, from the NRL's perspective, from England's perspective, from Super League perspective, they're all a bit different, aren't they? And that's what the stink was over Wayne saying that, was that, well, the national coach shouldn't be encouraging players to leave Super League, but he's the coach of England who, who are administered by the RFL and Super League is now a separate administration. So their yeah. priorities and interests are different. Um, um, so should, from the perspective of England, more players go to the NRL uh uh, yes, but that's down to market forces, isn't it? It's down to the players individually, you know. A lot of players, you know, they don't like leaving their, their hometown and they don't like leaving their families and, and, and for various personal reasons, uh, they choose to stay here. And uh, I'm not saying they should go. They probably shouldn't because it doesn't suit them to do so. Um, um, you know, certainly from Super League's point of view, they shouldn't go. Um, so, yeah, it depends who's asking the question, really. I think, you know... I think the players should do what the market and their own personal circumstances dictate, to be honest. It's funny. A lot of the players out here at the moment, especially the guys from the Raiders and, and the Burgess brothers, for example, like they're really like proving themselves in is week to week a tougher competition, you could argue. Um, I'd like to see, like, like I'm happy for as many of them as can possibly come over to come over. They've been great to watch. The guys like Bateman has, have been fantastic, but I'd like to see them eventually go back and give back to the Super League if they can. Like I know Gareth Widdop was never in the Super League, but seeing him go back next year, I think would be fantastic for Warrington and for the game over there as well. Um, similar question, Billy Forrester on Instagram. So he wants to know who could be the next Super League player to break into the NRL who's not currently signed. Luke Thompson. Uh, yeah, he's uh, uh, he, he fantastic uh, 
player at um, St Helens, as we all saw, you know, last uh, Friday night. Um, everyone wants him. Uh, yeah. You know, strong, powerful, skillful, good footwork. Uh, so, um, yeah, he, he, the, the hands down, uh, him. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few a few other players, that, you know, at other clubs. I think uh, Jackson Hastings said he thought Johnny Lomax was the best uh, player uh, in the comp. You know, he's a, you know, he, he's a very uh, good player. There's some good um, young players. Um, um, Truman at, at Castleford is a very uh, good player. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it's the, they're, they're kind of the guys I, I would uh, I, I'd say, but they're the ones that everyone's saying, you know. Luke Thompson sprung to mind immediately for me. He's just exactly the mould of player that, like, we, we like over here from England. Um, Jake Connor was one that I thought maybe last year during the tests against New Zealand was someone that I thought could make it, but I don't know. He's had an up and down kind of season, hasn't he? Um, he's, what do you think of Jackson? You know, he's such a personality. He's so, um, he's so kind of, he's a larrikin that we'd say in Australia, isn't he? And, you know, whether that would be beaten out of him in, in the spotlight of the NRL, I, I don't know. He, I think he might be a, a controversial, uh, you know, figure if, if he if, if he went out there. There was a, I'm trying to think of a player. Uh, you know, I remember when Gareth Hock was going to go to the Parramatta, mm. and he didn't, he, he didn't, um, um, you know, uh, wherever he's going to go, he's going to go to a club. You would imagine Gareth Hock just, you know, uh, maybe not dealing with the um, scrutiny that well. I don't know whether Jake uh, Connor would be in the same uh, boat boat as him, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good young players at Leeds too. There's a few good young players at Leeds who've just come into first grade who who look like they've got the ability to kind of uh, go to the NRL. There's a player I'm interested in your thoughts on, actually, Tony Gijo, so French uh, Catalan player, and they've been linked to our St George Illawarra Dragons. Is he someone that you think would make it? I know he's had a chance over here for the Sharks before, didn't quite get there, but has, has he been going okay? Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's leaving uh, Catalans, isn't he, uh, this year? So um, he, you would think a, a very good French player. Um, there'd have to be a reason why Catalans um, uh, would release him, and I'd imagine that any club trying to sign him in Australia would find out what those reasons were. We don't really know, you know, what they are. It could be personality stuff or the elements of his game. But you would imagine that um, whatever those things are, that an NRL club would find out what they are. So. I'd say the jury's very, very, very much out, uh, and he might be uh, a little bit in the Callum Watkins uh, uh, bracket of maybe, um, I don't know how old he is actually, so I probably shouldn't say he's left the move too late, but but, but certainly, um, you know, I'd say it'd be a gamble on everyone's part, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. they're always, always looking for good players, the NRL clubs, and, and, and they can probably afford to a few duds. You know, they, they've got enough money, enough salary cap space to <laughs> find some players who don't work out, you know? I don't know if St George can afford duds after the year we've had, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Let's see what happens. It'll be interesting. You mentioned um, Jackson Hastings, and obviously all the our Australian listeners will know exactly who he is. Didn't quite get many opportunities. Like had had a lot of potential over here. Uh, didn't get many opportunities to play first grade, but has been an absolute sensation over there. And they're talking about him as like front runner for Man of Steel. What's he? What's he been doing over there, and how has he has he impressed you? Jackson Hastings, yeah, I think he's probably showing his potential, you know, on the field. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been doing everything you would hope for from, you know, a um, a playmaker, 
in any team. You know, he's uh, certainly been, and he's been, you know, he's been, you know, um, um, talking a good game on social media and publicly and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and and just the fact he's got Salford this far, a, a club with not a lot, not a lot of money, uh, and not not a hell of a lot of fans, but very loyal and passionate fans. You know that they're playing for a spot at Old Trafford. Um, so um, yeah, I think I think uh, he's worthy of that. I think Blake Austin started the year on fire, yeah. but but sort of died a little bit towards the end there. Um, so um, I'd say you know Jackson Hastings would be. Not many people would argue if he was to be named Man of Steel. There's certainly like a type of player that like excels over there. Like the, the game's obviously a little bit different. And you've got yeah, like guys like Austin who, you know, he's probably a mediocre player in the NRL, but just seems to find a lot more space in the Super League. I'm not saying that it's – it's. I'm not saying the competitions are worse standard or anything like that. I'm just saying it's different. And um, it's just interesting to see – you know, you've got guys that go over there, you're not sure if they're going to make it, and they do. And then you've got guys that go over there and you think they're going to be fantastic, but they don't do too much. Um, do you, again, the sentiment over there, do you, uh, like, do the fans over there want to see more English-born players coming through rather than Aussies who aren't quite making the cut in the NRL? You know what they want? They want that they look back to um, Brian Bevan and Brett Kenny and, and, and these sort of uh, players, Peter Sterling, uh, Gene Miles, and they want like absolute top level um, um, uh, Australian players. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and and they so that's always been a part. You know, aside from during the international uh, transfer ban in the seventies, um, it's always been a part of the sport here to have really good Australians. Right back to you know Albert Rosenfeld and all these guys um, back in back in the old days. So um, uh, so no, they don't they don't begrudge um, Aussies uh, or, or Kiwis. Coming over, and um, but they don't. They get very harsh if someone doesn't live up to expectations, uh, and they can get you know because they expect a lot of the imports. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there isn't you know there isn't a groundswell like we would imagine uh, for oh we don't have any halfbacks because they're just importing halfbacks. You know, um, same as people don't people don't begrudge the foreigners in the Premier League, even though it might adversely affect England's. Um, World Cup chances. They don't. They don't. The correlation is for chin scratching columnists like me, but it's not really out there on the street. People don't go. Why are we signing all these Aussies and we can't produce a decent halfback of our own? They're all like, oh, if we sign a good Aussie, we might win some silverware, and that's about as far as it goes. You know. Interesting, and, and it's the Premier League like comparison. Like it makes a lot of sense. Um, Bernard Fizz on Facebook. He would like to know. Should Canberra take a home game to Old Trafford in twenty twenty? <laughs> um, you you wouldn't you wouldn't get on Old Trafford with a, <laughs> um, an NRL game. I, I took that as a kind of a half joke <laughs> question when I read it. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd love to see Canberra take. It wouldn't be great if Canberra could take a, a a game to England. You know what I mean? Maybe if they win the comp, um, if they win the comp, you know, come over um, and then. Stay the next week and play the round one against uh, Souths or whoever else is here. I believe the world yeah, yeah, would be cool. is back um, next year. So um, that was discussed previously that teams could stay on after the World Club Series and actually play round one uh, NRL game here, and that would be awesome. That would be huge if possible. And maybe Old Trafford's a bit of a stretch, but surely like Wigan or something like that would be. Um... They'd, they'd eat it up over there for sure. They'd, they'd pack that out, I think, anyway. Mate, um, 
let's talk a little bit of uh, let's go let's go around the world and Kenji Ball on Twitter. He's asked so with the success of Japanese rugby, what can international rugby league do to better promote rugby league in Japan? Well, you know, my thought is always that as soon as a team gets kicked out of Super Rugby, you should approach them to change codes immediately. You know, I, I thought <laughs> I thought the Western Force should have. I mean, I, I thought Todd Greenberg should have been on the phone to Twiggy the, within five minutes of them being kicked out of the uh, um, Rugby Union, and I thought that the Sunwolves should have been uh, approached and encouraged uh, to play rugby league at some level uh, immediately as well, uh, just as part of normal kind of uh, um, it should be an automatic process to get on the phone to them um, so uh, the fact that they're not involved in super rugby anymore to me means uh, that that they're, they're, that, that they're, they're fair game and that um, there's obviously resources behind that team uh, what competition they would play in I, I do not know uh, but you know super league's got a team from Toronto uh, I'd imagine it costs more to run the Sunwolves than it did does to cost, run the Wolfpack or a similar amount of money. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's, I just think someone from our game should always be uh, contacting um, should always be contacting them and um, when, 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 the, when, when the other game turns its back on them. It's funny, like, we, we people say stuff like that all the time, that we need to sort of be everywhere, but, like, how far can we stretch our limited resources? Like, the NRL has money, but we've only... The NRL's only really just started making money, I suppose, and the RLIF obviously doesn't have to, to play with either. So, like, I, like, my answer to that question is, like, as much as I would love rugby league to be huge in Japan, I don't think it's on the short-term radar. Like, uh, that's just my opinion anyway. Um, they can be trying to start things up domestically there, but you know, I kind of agree with what you're saying about... But, I'd see, I don't know, I don't understand the domestic landscape of Japanese rugby either. So they've obviously got... Well, they've got a strong competition there as well. They've got a lot of money to spend. So I don't know if the Sunwolves sort of just sort of were usurped into that sort of um, environment or if they just completely disappeared. So it's, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, but again, you don't, you know, it's not a matter of spending money. It's a matter of uh, giving people the opportunity to spend theirs. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love, I love that. I love that way of thinking. You know, you know, Mate, um, sorry. No, no, no go for, keep going. No, that's all. I was saying. You know, just I, I would, uh, I'd be just putting in a courtesy call to these people and saying, you know, if you still want to be involved at a high level competition, can we have a chat? You know. And whose responsibility would that be? Though, like, should Tom Greenberg? We know what to be fair. I think Nigel Wood kind of does do things like that behind the scenes. The uh, CEO of the RLIF, I think, I think when he does see opportunities like this, he just uh, quietly does put in calls or gets his uh, executive assistant to try to find an email address or a phone number. So you know, yeah. Um, but he doesn't need to advertise it, does he? You know. Um, so I think those sort of things do happen. Matt, let's talk a bit of USA because we get a lot of questions about that and. Uh, first one is from tw Twitter. There's actually two questions that are very similar, so I'll ask them both. But uh, Friday Night Music Party on Twitter asked what needs to be done to improve the USA. And our good friend Nate Gladden on Instagram, he asked what directional changes do you think we need to have in the United States? Um, you know, money m money is the, you know, the, the, the panacea. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily cure problems, but it, it gets you 
with inside of a cure, I think sometimes, and I think the game in the US, uh, its biggest problem is just lack of uh, resources. Um, the uh, I don't really understand the split between or the, the division of responsibilities between the clubs and the national governing body, the association of clubs and the um, and the USARL. Yeah, I'm not really sure how how that works, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean. Also, we've got these new bodies that seem to be popping up in. Um, mm. um, in, in you know, I found it interesting that the California um, thing, where uh, San Francisco are going to play Los Angeles, um, that the national coach Sean um, um, Rutchison is going to coach one of the teams, but they're not affiliated with the national body. You know, so that's you know, that, uh, you know, that surprised me a bit. But I guess when you're amateurs, when you're doing stuff for free, you can't really. Um, control people when they're not being paid. You know what I mean? Uh, and also there's a new body in um, um, Texas. Uh, and then there's also yep. the Carolina Rugby League Academy with Andy Lucas. Uh, and he's started, he's, you know, got a bunch of teams and a bunch of, you know, logos and stuff uh, in that uh, part of the world. And the USARL geographically is, you know, the Northeast and then the, the, the Southeast, you know, down Florida way. And so, you know, you've got um, different um, areas of activity, some of which are affiliated with the national body, some of which aren't. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I think just trying to unify it all and trying to, um, you know, you know, have no, I don't know, like just, I guess just communication. I'd say, I'd say that the only thing, the only idea that I could contribute or the only thing, you know, I could suggest would be, would be that word communication. Everyone talking to each other, um, being yeah. on the same page. I don't know what extent to what extent that's happening at the moment. I really don't know. Everyone could be talking constantly. I I, I really don't know. But it just seems to be um, a lot of activity that that is unrelated to to you know to other activity. You know, it's funny. It's it's a very interesting area. Obviously, a lot of internationalists are interested in what's going on over there because they see the potential. Uh, financially um i think from what i can understand there seems to be a little bit of um just some simmering issues between uh, under the under the hood anyway between the usarl and the the hawks the national the national side um and i think if the us don't qualify for this next world cup then they're those those cracks are going to start to appear very quickly um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We've seen a split over there before with, you know, American National Rugby League and the USARL, and that was all patched up, kind of, no, not patched up, but the USARL um, are, are what's are the governing body on that side of the states at the moment. So I, I think they're due, I, I think there's another sort of internal feud happening. I, I don't speak on behalf of anyone, but just from what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing, players I'm speaking to, there seems to be something in the works there. It may need to happen um, sooner rather than later, but I like what you said about all these little governing bodies, all these little geographic sort of leagues sort of popping up and I've said this before in the past as well, but California is interesting because, you know, when I first spoke to Tom Stevenson, who's, who, who, sta who started things over there in California not too long ago, he didn't know exactly what this could be. He just wanted to sort of get things started and see what happened. And very quickly, they've sort of assembled like a little four or five team league, which will be starting next year. They've got their 
San Fran versus Los Angeles exhibition match this year. They've got sponsors on board. Like I think it's Cooper's beer, like like a pretty decent sponsorship deal to make all of this happen. So very quickly they've sort of they've sort of like started rugby league in California. Like it's just sort of happened. And I think I think you know, and th- there's no affiliation to the USARL. Like you said, there doesn't really have to be. Um, but I- I'm sure they're on good terms. They're just too far apart geographically to sort of make it all work together. But I think we could get to a point where California is as big, if not bigger, than the USARL. And, and you know, it could mean great things for the Hawks because all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of players that could be strengthening their national team as well if they play their cards right. So I just see, and I've said this before as well, but I see there being similar to what you're saying, Steve, like I, I don't know if you ever watched um, WWF wrestling back in the day, but before like Vince McMahon came along, and I've said this before, but before Vince McMahon came along, they had all these sort of geographic-based, small promotional sort of um, wrestling groups all around the US. Then Vince McMahon came came along and, and took it national and now international. And I think we sort of need to build these little geographic centres in the US until our Vince McMahon comes along. And that and, and our, our version of Vince McMahon could be, you know, what's going on with the New York team and, and even Toronto and Ottawa and... I don't know. I, I, I don't know what your opinion on this is, Steve, but I'm sure that eventually, as these American sides come into the Super League, eventually they're going to step away from the Super League and f- form their own thing. I'm sure that's the plan. Um, I don't know what your opinion is on that. Yeah, um, it's it's far too early to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. mean, um, you know, uh, human beings might uh, evolve so that they you know, only have to sit down because they're only going to be looking at computers. But, you know, we're talking so far in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. We might, we might end up as cyborgs. You know what I mean? But, I mean, it's, it's, it's far too early in that, in that process to, um, um, you know, to, 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 to accurately predict it. I don't, you know, I don't think David, I think, you know, David Argyle probably, I mean, basically when you're starting a sporting franchise, you want to put on an event every two weeks and you want to sell tickets, you want to sell rights, you want to sell merchandise. Uh, and you want to make money, you know, eventually, or you want to sell to someone else who's in that business and can make it make money. That's that's what you're trying to do, which is a very foreign, very foreign thing to over here in England, where sport is very traditional and it's it's geographic because you can you can actually go to every ground by car, or every away game by car. Here, it's like so different to Australia or America. So they they can afford to have a kind of Victorian view of sport in this country. Uh, yeah. where, where every fan has the right to go to every game, every away game, and don't dare take that away from us. So I don't think David I, I, David Argyle's you know modus operandi would be I want to start a rugby team. There's no rugby teams here to play against at a decent level uh, that would let us in to the competition. And what 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 governing bodies do is they give team owners a license, right? So there was no license either available or affordable or suitable in North America for David Argyle to have put on a rugby franchise in, in Toronto. So he looked somewhere where he could find someone who could give him a license and he offered to pay for everything, including the incoming teams. Uh, didn't want any TV rights because uh, he was so dead set on having a rugby team in Toronto. Um, and that's where we are now. So his view is not, um, oh, we're going to have a North American rugby league. His view is, I want this franchise to be successful, uh, to wash its own face, 
uh, and even though he's never said it, and I'm just guessing, um, he might down the track want to sell it to uh, um, the corporation that runs all the other sporting teams in Toronto. So, so I don't think we should take it for granted that um, these people have the same um, uh, perspectives or agendas as, as we do. I just, I love that answer because so many people have already, they ask me all the time, what do you think? Will these American teams eventually peel away and what does that mean for the game in the UK? But we're looking, like we are looking too far in advance. Let's just enjoy it while it's here and see what happens. We've, you know, we've never had a professional team in Toronto before. Now we do. Let's just enjoy it and let's stop worrying about, you know, what happens 50 years time. Um, but yeah, that's an that's an awesome answer, man. Um, speaking of America, and you know, we talk we've we know that there's a bunch of confederations, you know, Europe, uh, Asia, um, et cetera, et cetera. Should the Americas and this questions from Rugby League International on Instagram, which is a fan fan page on Instagram, should the Americas have their own confederation? Well, they've kind of got. My understanding is they've kind of got a loose organisation now. Um, they organise the Americas Nines. Uh, this year in uh, in in Toronto, um, so you know um, I think the answers the answers kind of yes, uh, but you know the, cha- the the chairman of the USARL Peter Ilfield I believe is in um, in Newcastle and one of the uh, you know driving forces of the Latin American Rugby League is is on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, that's uh, yep. Rob Bergen. So Rob Bergen, yeah. I, I guess they're kind of uh, it's just not practical at the moment. Like they they just kind of see well. You know, at the moment, what are we running? You know, we're we're running, um, you know, we're, we're we're helping run some World Cup qualifiers, which are every four years, and we're running a nines, which is every two years. Uh, does that mean we should set up, make, you know, turn this loose alliance into a full time body? They just kind of think, well, maybe not yet. You know, there's no no reason to. So, um, yeah, sure, eventually, you know. It's definitely happening quickly in South America. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next decade or so over there. Mate, um, question from the guys over at Malta in the Malta Rugby League on Instagram. So this is one that's been a hot topic for the last couple of weeks. So obviously we mentioned the Tonga Rugby League, the TRL have been suspended. Uh, is this in accordance with the provisions of the RLIF constitution? I know that Darren Kane, who's a friend of mine, um, yep. he uh, wrote a column saying it wasn't. Um, I've since spoken... Uh, you know, to Danny Kazanjian at the RLIF, who insists, uh, you know, uh, that it is that all the uh, statutes and all the rules and uh, are all being uh, followed, and that everything is legally uh, and procedurally above board. So, um, I haven't, you know, I haven't actually um, seen the correspondence. I don't think anyone listening has, uh, yeah. and, and and I certainly couldn't uh, uh, repeat the constitution of the RLIF off the top of my head. Uh, so, yeah. so, so it's just a matter of you know what you believe, and that's the law, isn't it? I mean, um, um, I, you know, I, you know, I think the RLIF argue that Darren isn't privy to this specific um, um, case either. So um, they say they are. Uh, uh, Darren suggested his column. They're not. Um, I guess, like any, I wouldn't uh, be any better, um, um, you know, positioned to know who to believe than anyone listening or the person asking me that question. I guess we all have to decide who we believe. Darren's article was interesting. I think I shared it on Twitter for anyone that's interested and I had a I had a quick chat with him as well about it. It's hard to see that whole Tongan situation, like 
it's hard to know who the good guys and the bad guys are. And it's probably not even that clear cut, um, but it's very interesting. And it's funny, like, I've got a question here from the, the Lycans Rugby League Football Club. Uh, they're, they're a club in Lebanon that are not affiliated to the Lebanese Rugby League Federation. Their question was, have you heard anything about the RLIF investigation on the Lebanese Rugby League Federation? I think it's interesting that the RLIF moved very quickly on Tonga, but we haven't heard much about what's going on in Lebanon since mid-year. Um, no, you're right. I only read that it? message. I only read that question uh, there, Michael, like less than 24 hours ago. So I haven't yeah. had the opportunity to ask. I know that at first it was going to be dealt with quite quickly, but but um, the answer to, to that is no. And I, I would say that the reason Tonga's been dealt with uh, uh, quickly, I go back to how... Uh, we started our chat, we're talking about money and how important money yeah. is. And basically, you know, the, the Great Britain tour is uh, on a knife's edge financially, I would expect. Uh, and uh, they need to salvage that fixture. We saw what uncertainty over a fixture did uh, in Denver last year, uh, where, uh, you know, um, I don't know whether it was the difference between making money and, 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 the, and the company going broke. I don't know. That would be uh, what Jason Moore suggested. But certainly... Um, Uncertainty over a fixture uh, can um, do a lot of damage at the box office. Uh, so I think uh, that's why they dealt with Tonga so quickly. Whereas with Lebanon, uh, it's a team that's going to compete um, at the um, at the nines. Uh, but uh, perhaps the the you know I don't know whether a lot of people will stay away over uncertainty over who's going to be in the Lebanese team. So uh, I think that's uh, why they would have uh, expedited the Tonga uh, situation. Do you think um, do you think we'll see do you think this Tongan rugby league sort of resolute I'll call it a resolution it's not really but do you think it's a short term fix and they'll get sort of get back to it after the the Lions tour? Well, they have to. I think they they said it wasn't an expulsion. They said it was a suspension. So I think they do have to investigate. And I think the fact that the new prime minister. Uh, was previously involved in the administration of the Tongan Rugby yeah. League. All those sort of little uh, facts, you know, we need to, um, the people aren't sort of so aware of. And a lot of things happen in international rugby league away from the spotlight because there's no spotlight on it. Um, and and sometimes what we find when we lift uh, um, the mat is, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of things crawling around underneath that um, uh, aren't happy to, to be exposed to the sunlight. So um, the, the more international rugby league uh, expands, the more scrutiny we'll get and, and hopefully um, there'll be some short-term pain um, which could include things like a, a Lions to a, um, um, losing money or um, a, a test not happening or a team pulling out of a nines. Uh, but um, in the end, I don't think the uncovering of uh, truth um, is a bad thing. I think it's absolutely a, a good thing and, um, and, and, and we can't really um, you know, reach our potential in any field of endeavour when when misdeeds are hidden or when um, there is a, an environment that uh, allows corruption to take place. It makes you wonder, like, how, or it makes you realise how fragile the international game is, like how important a, a successful Tonga has been for us over the last couple of years and how it's sort of helped grow the game or grow the interest in international rugby league. I know definitely more people over here in Australia are talking about the international game, which is fantastic, but it's sort of like the, when the stories came out a couple of weeks ago, I realised how quickly it could become undone and 
we've still got a long way to go. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Like we need to make sure that everything is above board. You know, nothing is 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 more important than all of that sort of stuff. So I think it's it's interesting. Um, mate, Chris Reed on Facebook, he wants to know: Do the NRL have too much influence over the international arena? Well, they do because they control um, the, the the vast majority of the professional players. Um, so, you know, you could say that if if it, it only becomes too much control when you disagree with their decisions. <laughs> like if you yeah. if they if you agreed with their decisions, then then you'd say that the control is awesome. That's great, you know. Uh, but but if you disagree with their decisions, then then you would say that, that their control is too much. So, um, you know, I, I think definitely they. Um, um, they are commercially quite voracious, um, so they don't really want anyone else to make much money out of rugby league unless it's through them and controlled by them. So, um, and that influence should stop at the borders of Australia and New Zealand. Um, uh, but the fact that they, you know were obstructive regarding a test match between England and New Zealand in America on a, on a weekend where the players had no games uh, would indicate that their ambitions and, um, you know, um, o- uh, uh, um, overreach uh, go much further than that. So um, we can say they've got too much control uh, when we don't like uh, the way they interact with the wider game. And, and then again, we can ask... Um, we can ask for more control when we think they can help us. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Too much control, yes, because of their influence over the players and the fact that they, um, you know, Australia are hardly playing this year and didn't want to play Great Britain. Um, uh, yeah, they, they do have too much control. But for the third time, you know, money talks. Do you think it will help or hinder the international game in the long run? having, like, an all-powerful NRL? Um, on the balance I see now, it will hurt it uh, because the NRL seems intent on using its own brand to spread the game rather than buying into a vision um, for, um, you know, the... That the, the rugby league is an international sport, and as such, is run by an international governing body. That they are just the governing body in Australia. Um, that that seems so. So I would say, it's if if you're looking in your kind of crystal ball, which is what the question asked me to do, you would say on the evidence now, fifty-five forty-five, that the uh, influence of the NRL will be harmful. Uh, but then again, you know the at least this tournament in a couple of weeks' time, you know, the matches are going to kick off on time. It's definitely going to be on TV. There's going to be referees, going to be touch judges. There'll be a judiciary. Uh, there's a nice ground. There'll be good facilities for fans. People will pay to get in. It'll be on TV. All those things. International Rugby League could not guarantee those things uh, on its own at, at the current stage of its development. So, um, you know, the NRL are doing a lot of good things for the national game. Uh, while other things might annoy us. So, um, you know, and that's very true. Like if this nines was sold to an, ind- uh, an independent promoter, um, 
there is a, a good chance that, you know, the, the guy wouldn't pay his bills or the lady wouldn't pay their bills. Uh, the teams, uh, you know, there'll be a Martin to Power getting stranded in an airport. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, the TV rights uh, uh, would be mishandled. Uh, you know, all these sorts of things that could go wrong um, would go possibly, probably go wrong. Like these MEA championships in Lagos, which are on next weekend, you know, like don't tell me that everything's going to go according to plan. Don't tell me that, you know, the jerseys are all going to get there on time and the the telecast is going to go ahead without a hitch and that no one's going to ask for money at the death to do something they'd already agreed to do. Don't tell me none of those things are going to happen. So having the NRL's involvement means that, that those pitfalls are avoided and we shouldn't forget that when, when we get angry at them from time to time. A lot of people do get angry at them. It's funny, you, you sort of touched on it at the beginning of this conversation where I think the NRL sees themselves as the NFL of, mm. of rugby league or of sport in Australia. Um, and they have this sort of world sort of jurisdiction, whereas they don't see themselves as like a Premier League, which is, you know, obviously has to the very, very rich, very powerful, but obviously FIFA is even bigger. Um, it's funny because like the NRL as a brand, um, the la- over the last few years in Australia, I've noticed like we, we as rugby league fans, we often have a argument about should we call ourselves rugby or do we call ourselves league or, or whatever. But for, like I've noticed in the last couple of years over here, for any like um, any like casual fans of rugby league or people from Melbourne or Victoria, for example, that watch the odd game of rugby league, they call our sport NRL. They don't call it rugby or rugby league or league. They call it NRL. And I just think that's interesting, you know, as things develop. And the NRL definitely uh, is is pushing their brand. I think they see themselves as an NFL type of organization or that's what they aspire to be and commercially commercially that makes sense to them because they don't own the all the ip of rugby league even though it's it's easy to say they they think they own it notionally but if they can brand it as something other than rugby league then they do own it they own it completely and and they can leverage that and and they can lock competitors out of of the market um and and i think you're going to see them you know try um to do that but it is the job of rugby league everywhere else to stand on its own two feet and, and almost to offer the NRL the opportunity to be involved, but to have the ability to, to do it without them. You know, that's that's what's got to happen is that, you know, okay, you don't want to be involved in this or you don't, you don't want us to make money off what you consider to be your IP, fine. We'll just, we'll go without you and next time we've got an idea, we'll knock on your door again. And maybe one day there'll be an idea that you want to be involved in, but we have to raise money ourselves and we have to attract players and fans and all those people, investors ourselves, uh, and assume that you're not going to help us. I think that's got to be be the default uh, position. I think Super League have an opportunity to do that with clubs like New York. Because there's no secret that the NRL wants to get that get a piece of that American market. They talk about um, having, you know, round one matches over there or there was talk about an Australia-Tonga test match in New York recently, which didn't sort of didn't happen right at the right at the death. But there's no secret that it's a lucrative market. And if the Super League get there first with this New York side, then all of a sudden 
they have something that the NRL want, and it could make things very interesting. It could make, you know, it could make the world of rugby league very interesting. But again, we're going to have to wait and see. We had a question from Liam on Twitter, very similar to what we're kind of talking about at the moment. He wanted to know where we'd take rugby league over the next fifty years if we had full control and endless money. I think it's an interesting question, but but where. You know, in saying that, where do we think it will actually end up given the current constraints and trends? We're starting to answer that question now with this last question from Chris. So is there anything you'd add to that or like like if you were the if you were the, the king of rugby league, Steve, like wh- where would you where would you take it? How would you make it all come together? Yeah, well you know, I think I think I'd do a lot of things with nines like rugby union has done with sevens. That'd be a key thing I'd do. I've got a uh, I have um, a big thing about um, I think when you look at other sports, some things are just going to happen. Um, obviously, I think you know there will be a na- there will be more geographic national spread of rugby league in Australia. I, I think in this country, the game could fade into irrelevance and into history very easily, and even become part time uh, unless um, they get this uh, Super League gets this investment that they're seeking, uh, private equity investment. Uh, because the private equity people will basically um, uh, set, set up a table in the corner of Robert Elkin's office and say the competition has to be this, this, and this. The games have to be on these dates. Uh, you know, the TV's product's got to look like that. Um, and, and basically, um, rugby league in this country will not be able to get away with being feudal anymore if they get this pri- uh, uh, pri- private uh, equity investment. But So I think if you look around other sports worldwide, um, the big thing in American sports is a summer league. Um, I'd like to see um, a summer league uh, uh, maybe uh, played in Australia, um, maybe involving some of the big Super League teams, uh, played under uh, dr- dramatically um, altered rules, uh, almost like a, uh, it could be nines, but then again, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's indoors. Uh, maybe it's got all, all sorts of different rules. But I think, you know, the, uh, anyone who works in the sports industry will tell you that the attention spans of people are dramatically shortened. We used to say you've got an MTV attention span. Well, now there's not even mm. on MTV anymore. People, people <laughs> don't even watch the, the videos. The music videos are too long for people now. So um, you've got an Instagram attention span, you know. So, so um, I think rugby league really has to come up with alternate rules. Rugby X is being played indoors here at the O2 later this year, maybe even next month. Uh, so, um, I, you know, that's something I definitely look into. Um, you know, I, I, I look, I just always look at other sports and other entertainment mediums and see and see what they're doing and, and wonder why, you know, we're not. And I think one of the reasons, you know, the biggest thing to me Rugby League has to do, and I spoke about it in a, I was on the phone to some people talking about, Something you know, pie in the sky plans, which is what my life's all about now. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 we were saying that rugby league needs to be repositioned culturally uh, and demographically. It needs to be moved a little bit to the left to escape the kind of um, you know some of the um, 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 the stigma that's still attached to it uh, by some people in in society. Uh, you know, be it in Australia where people think it's a bogan sport and all the players are rapists or whatever, uh, to here where they kind of think it's a flat cap northern sport, uh, you know, down pit or pub, uh, and uh, it's on once a year at Wembley and that's about it. Um, you know, so I don't think changing that is throwing money or a lot of marketing 
I think some of it is policing behaviour, like the Integrity Commission. I'm, I'm totally in favour of that. But I think yeah. more of it is changing the tone and maybe launching another vehicle that that positions the sport differently to people so that suddenly you do have, you know, the sponsors like, you know, Rolls-Royce or, um, or, or Qantas or... Dunhill, or, or you can't—they can't do sponsorship anymore, can they? But you know, <laughs> you are—you got to, people. People have to understand, Michael, that rugby league commercially is a vehicle to sell things to people who don't have much money. So the yeah. way the way rugby league exists because of Channel Nine pitching, you know, um, the sport to Western Sydney, um, and and it's Telstra's attempt to attract a certain demographic and anyone selling rugby league advertising is is selling to a certain you know demographic which i am part of okay and and i'm i don't know you very well michael you might be you might be richie rich born with a silver spoon in your mouth but i i understand that i am part of that demographic but i also understand that pitching to my demographic solely is harmful to the sport and what's more there is an incentive to keep the sport um, uh, down market because it it that is where it's positioned in society and that is where its money comes from. Its money comes from rugby league exists day to day, keeps its doors open by selling things to poor people, okay? So in order for rugby league to realise its potential, it needs to move itself, it at least needs to build a side of itself that isn't selling things to poor people. Okay, and and that the greatest um, um, the, the the greatest legacy anyone involved in rugby league can leave is to move is to reposition the sport uh, demographically and commercially so that it's selling things to a wider demographic. And and so so when I answer the question, I'm, I, I my my answer is a little bit more kind of ephemeral and big brush than just let's have a team in New York or, 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 or let's introduce Russia and China to the game. I think it's a really, yeah. it's a really fundamental cultural thing that needs to change in order for rugby league to realise its potential or you're going to have generation after generation of people devoting their entire lives to the sport uh, and still um, will be having the same arguments uh, you know, uh, uh, when they die, as we had uh, when they were born, uh, which we're already having now. Oh, it'd be good to have rugby league in South Africa. Why don't we do that? Or, <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, um, you know, is it a game for sissies? Or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, the, the, the people were having, you know, in the 1920s, um, you know, and and that and, um, and that we're still having now, fighting over 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 a dime, you know. We'll always have those arguments until we reposition the sport uh, in society. You know, I'll start by saying I'm not uh, not Richie Rich with a silver spoon <laughs> in my mouth. So, I'm definitely not. I grew up in Parramatta territory. I now live in Balmain territory, um, but like always, loved rugby league. But I'm definitely probably part of that demographic. Not well off. Not not in poverty, but like just you know, just a from a battling family that you know has is comfortable but definitely not um definitely not silver spoon um, but i do work in marketing so some of the things that you said like sort of touched me a little bit because like to me it's about i don't know if it's about 
yeah, it's about creating new products and things like that. We're kind of doing that with the NRLW. Like, I think there's plenty of opportunities over here. And even the the Women's Super League, like, there are opportunities to open up our game to new markets and new sponsors that would never have touched rugby league in the past. Um, and I definitely think that that's something that can happen. I think brand, like, the one word you didn't say was branding. Like, we need to, like, and the NRL has worked on their branding in the last 12 months. Uh, a lot of people complain about it because a lot of rugby league fans just complain about everything that's new until they eventually get used to it. Um, I've got a I've got a theory that if the Tina Turner Simply the Best campaign came out for the first time ever this year, that everyone would hate it. But because it happened in 1993, 92, we absolutely love it and and think fondly of it. But I think the the new NRL branding in particular, from a marketing perspective and a, and from a professional marketing opinion that I have. I think it's really good, and I think they're they're certainly trying to change that tone. I think they're doing that. Um, I think we need to do that all the way around the world. I think you're right. Um, there's so much opportunity. I, I like what you said about like people say, "Oh yeah, why don't we just go to South Africa? Or why don't we just do this or just do that?" We can't just do anything. Like there's so much work involved, and there's we've got a long way to go. We're, we're always we shoot ourselves in the foot as well. Like rugby league, rugby league's biggest problem over the last hundred years hasn't been rugby union or anything like that, despite what people think. It's the fact that we're constantly fighting, infighting amongst ourselves. And I think that's the biggest thing we need to we need to sort of eradicate. Like, you know, we touched on it. Like if the NRL becomes too big for its boots, then what happens then? You know, it's um it's really interesting and it's it's yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, maybe like a summer, I don't know, the summer rugby league idea. I know you just sort of threw that out there and you're saying, I know what you're saying, like we just need some new IP and, and you know, change things slightly. I think a summer league, you know, do we get sick of rugby league if it's around for 12 months of the year? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I, don't think that's the best, I don't think that's the best vehicle. Um, I, I think nines is the best vehicle to, to reposition the sport. Uh, yeah. but, but what I'm saying is things that – Things that other sports are doing successfully, you, yeah. um, I think we need to be more open to that, um, you know. And I think, I think the, for instance, the IP of um, the teams, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, you know, there's got to be a way to, to leverage them in in ways that don't place more demands on players, um, you know. So, you know, and and also, you know, I, I walk around here in um, in South London. And every day yeah. I would see a, a, a rugby league piece of merch, and most I would say mostly two out of three would be NRL. Um, and the NRL doesn't have an office here. To me, those people are their customers. Um, you know, uh, in in the states, there's a, a group called Fanwide, and they work with the clubs and the leagues to have watch parties in cities where the, neither of the teams playing are based. So if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you live in Atlanta. Uh, and you want to watch Buffalo Bills versus San Francisco 49ers, there'll be a watch party for San Francisco for uh, fans of those two clubs in Atlanta. And, um, and, 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 and at those watch parties, um, they are affiliated events where the clubs can service their sponsors. It becomes part of their sponsorship inventory. Um, you know, the, the data is shared. So you enter contests and in exchange for sharing your email address, you might win a, a jersey or something, you know. Becomes and 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 I see those opportunities with every one of those people walking down the street in in in, in here in London. I, I see a, you know an A dollar sign above their head that the NRL aren't um, getting. So 
on one hand, I kind of can be annoyed by the NRL being um, commercially voracious, but on the other hand, I can actually see opportunities where they could be more commercially voracious. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, I just I just see so many opportunities. You look at what other sports do. You look at what other businesses do, and you can see opportunities that rugby league isn't taking. And even and 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 that pie is massive in the UK and 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 outside Australia. But there is still some pie in Australia that the NRL, you know, some tricks that the NRL are missing. You know. Yeah, we definitely need to maximise all of those opportunities, and that's a good point. Like. So do you think that every Super League fan has an NRL team or, or not? maybe not every, but... No, no, but it is definitely, it isn't It isn't equal as far as I can tell you from the Mascot Browns experience that, um, you know, yeah. as soon as we started, we got one, we just started to sell NRL gear, um, you know, two weeks ago. Just We just got seven Cam... No, we got seven Canberra jerseys in and like, um, and, and they're gone. I mean, there's a 5XL. They would have gone straight away, yeah. There's a 5XL away. <laughs> Uh, jersey still. I haven't found a, someone big enough for that yet. Uh, and and I, I think there's also a there might be an XL away that's got um, because it was it was it was on it was on display at a at a at a muddy ground. So it might have like a little a little water stain on the sleeve, and that would stop someone buying it. So I'll just rub that off, and we'll sell that one. But um, but you know what I mean. So so the NRL the NRL is to rugby league fans. It's like um, and I look at it like. Uh, you know, the NRL is like if you're a GWS fan and you actually embrace the universe of the, you know, AFL in Sydney and you go to work and all you talk about is the universe of the AFL, but you work in Penrith. <laughs> yeah. so you are proud of not just GWS, but you're kind of proud of your game and it's so it's different and, and the reference points that your workmates don't get. And that's what the NRL is to people in the north. Um, it's it's part of their northern pride, so they'll go on holidays to Magaluf, and sure they might wear a whole KR jersey, but they might also wear a Parramatta jersey, and they'll take equal pride in the fact that the other people on holidays in Magaluf have no idea what that is. You know what I mean? You know. Um, that's I think that's true. That's and it's probably why people buy jerseys. I'm glad you mentioned Mascot Browns. Why people buy jerseys from Mascot Browns because they can rock up to to a, you know, a, a West Tigers game at Leichhardt Oval in some obscure international rugby league jersey and sort of feel, you know, like a bit of a hipster or a bit cool about that. I had a, I have a final question, and it's from Tom. I was on Instagram, and he said, when can I get a slick Netherlands jersey from Mascord Browns? Yeah, Phil, uh, Phil sent an email to Netherlands Rugby League just last week, uh, and they said they're changing supplier, so there are none available until they... Um, uh, to lay, um, um, set, sign a new supplier deal. But we have cool. ordered Amsterdam Cobras. We've actually paid for, fully paid for uh, some Amsterdam Cobras gear. So just waiting to hear back as to when that's going to be delivered. That's awesome. When are the Cobras? When, so that could be this year, co- the Cobras oh, gear? No, it, well, if, it will be a bit upset if we paid for something a month ago. And we don't get <laughs> so, yeah, um, it will definitely be this year, yeah. I know um, there are people from the Cobras that listen to this show, so I'm going to say, guys, get get your shit together and get those jerseys over there on mascotbrowns.com.com.au. And uh, for our listeners, if they're using the discount code Kangaroo Court, Kangaroo C A U G H T, then they can get 10% off once those Amsterdam Cobras jerseys come in as well. And I want to thank you for that as well, Steve, like yourself and Phil. Um, Phil's been on the show as well before, as our listeners will know. 
and um, he he was fantastic as well. So I want to thank you guys for for supporting us and and just doing what you do. Like um, everything, Mascot Browns has just been really cool. And it's funny, you guys are celebrating a second birthday soon. Is that right? Ah, uh, yeah, we started actually. I think we started we started in September two thousand seventeen. So we're celebrating it now, and it's twenty five percent off all Samoa and New Zealand gear with the code. I know there's a lot of codes. Remember. Happy birthday, MB. So uh, 25% off all New Zealand and Samoa gear on both the Aussie and the um, uh, UK website. We have a, um, a US website too, if any listeners in the US. Um, and it's got a lot of Denver stuff there. Um, it, cool. It's not fully operational, to be fair. Um, but someone has actually purchased something off it. Uh, but uh, it's kind of set up for the future. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not fully uh, operational yet. Was it Nate Gladden who purchased uh, off that? No, website? no, it was Genghis. Uh, from Genghis, our man. <laughs> oh, it was Genghis from Toronto. Yeah, he purchased a Great Britain jersey. It took a while to send it to him. I was actually, I was actually going to go to the championship grand final this weekend uh, and give it to him in person, but I don't think I'm going to go because um, I might. I think I think the trip. I think the RO Life meeting in Sydney is more important, so um, I'll probably be more likely to go to that. Is there anything I've missed? We've spoken about so much tonight. All this no, afternoon, I'm sure everyone's closing off. I'm not for you, uh, <laughs> not from your contribution, but from mine. So uh, <laughs> I think we better better let them uh, sleep in peace. But uh, congratulations on 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 your on your show. I think it's a, uh, you know, not it's not just like, and you know, which is great. We lo- love to hear uh, enthusiasts who talk about international rugby league and make other people enthusiastic. But you, you've added an extra layer by you know ringing people and gathering information and getting stuff on and off the record and actually you know informing people and filling a hole there. So um, um, congratulations for all the work you do. And um, as I as I said in a column last week, the, the, if it's not an insult, the, the geek shall inherit the earth. Uh, so um, so, so I, I, think, I think our, our era is, is coming uh, and uh, whether we will materially benefit from that or just it will just might make us feel better about ourselves, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but anyway, I think uh, you know your show's come along at exactly the right time, and I'm sure uh, most of the listeners agree. I appreciate that, mate, and it's humbling. It means a lot coming from someone like yourself. So thanks very much, mate. Thank you for chasing kangaroos with me tonight, Steve Mascord. We're gonna have we'll have you on again in the future. That's for sure. I know our listeners would have loved this one. And uh, mate, yeah, have a great rest of the week. Thank you, thank you. So I might see you in Sydney. Bye bye. This episode of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast is brought to you by rugbyleaguecoach.com.au, your elite rugby league coach online. My name is Lee Addison, I'm the owner of that website, and this is a free tip for all you coaches out there. When planning training sessions, make sure that defence and offence each gets 50% of your plan. It might be that 50% comes over the course of a week or a fortnight, but don't forget that the game is offence and defence and you ignore defence at your peril. Remember, defence wins premierships. This and other similar tips can be found on our website, which is your coaching textbook for the 21st century. Send an email now to admin at rugbyleaguecoach.com.au with the words chasing kangaroos in the subject line and you will get a special 50% discount offer for all listeners. Let us know if you're a coach, player, an S&C coach. 
but make sure you mention Chasing Kangaroos so you can get the special listener offer. Well, how about that, guys? Steve Mastercord. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, absolute pleasure having him on for an episode. Now, guys, I did promise I'm going to tell you some massive news, tell you why this is the last episode of Chasing Kangaroos for a while. We'll do that in a moment. Let's go through some golden points first. So, guys, golden point, NRL. And, of course, the Sydney Roosters, they've gone back-to-back. They've defeated the Canberra Raiders 14 points to 8. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. Look, let's start from the start. Magical atmosphere. I thought it was incredible. Um, I, I was in Canberra the day, the morning of the grand final and the day before. Such a great vibe down there. Driving to Sydney from Canberra that day was crazy. Canberra fans, flags, all over the, all over the, like cars all over the road. Canberra fans everywhere. Um, stopped at a McDonald's and a service station on the way home. Just flooded with Canberra Raiders jerseys. It was incredible. There was so such a great vibe from the Raiders. The atmosphere was fantastic. It felt like an Origin game. I was watching it at home on TV, but the sound was incredible. It was just amazing to watch. And uh, I'll tell you what, there was a point there where I thought the Raiders could win. I think everyone thought the Raiders were going to win, but um, then that refereeing decision, that six again, <laughs> that six again, which was, uh, yeah, the referee changed his mind. And look, I'm going to say it was a shit call. Like, it, like I, I'm, I'm of the opinion, like rugby league is when it comes to the rules of our game, it's very much su- subjective or most rules are subjective. So once the ref makes a call, I believe that's the call. You know, we shouldn't argue or complain or say that's wrong or I try not to anyway, unless it's blatantly obvious. But with that call, I think the ref made the call right or wrong, shouldn't have changed it. Uh, but he did, uh, and I just think it was a shit go. Um, but in saying that, I think the Roosters probably deserve the win. I'll explain that as well. But look, in my opinion, look, I feel for the Canberra fans like I really do because as a Dragons fan, I remember 1999 all too well. And if you remember that far back, you will recall Jamie Ainsco uh, took, I think it was Smith, the wingers, head off basically in the corner. Smith was falling into the tackle, in my opinion. Not much Jamie Ainsco could do. Penalty try, Melbourne win the game. I understand Canberra fans. I know exactly how it feels. Uh, so absolutely terrible. But I will say, like, I just think also the Roosters, they held on. They had a man, they had Cronk in the bin for 10 minutes. They held on, they held on, they held on. Uh, the Raiders had opportunities. You, they were building up to some, something, but every set that went by where they didn't score, I just thought, ah, oh, there's going to be... The Roosters are going to need just one chance and they're going to take this away from them. Uh, the Raiders kept trying. There was that opportunity where Leilua, if he caught him past the Rapana, it would have been done. It would have been over. Raiders would have been the champions. Uh, but instead, there was the call and the Roosters, they ran the, ran to the other end of the field. Who but Teddy, the man. He was a bit quiet, but scored that, that match-winning try. And the Roosters obviously got away with it. I think they deserved it. You know, to hold out Canberra for that long. It's just a shame there was the six again call. And also that first try as well came off some a rough call, you know, with the charge down. So look, unlucky for Canberra, but what a spectacle. Roosters back to back. And I actually think that Canberra, they're going to be a better side next year because of this. The, the vibe there, Ricky Stewart as coach, the players that he's got, the new players coming in, George Williams, for example. I just think they're going to be a better team. Uh, will they win the grand final? I'm not saying that. But I do think it's going to be a better Canberra Raiders side next year. And I just hope that the fans stick with them, that they get 20,000 
to every home game next year. And hopefully the Raiders get another chance because that was incredible. And uh, But congratulations to the Roosters. Uh, they did really well. Also, congratulations to the Brisbane Broncos back-to-back in the NRLW, Golden Point. Uh, the Broncos, they beat my Dragons 30 points to 6. Absolute shellacking. Uh, they were way too good. Um, but yeah, at least us Dragons fans, we had something to cheer about for a minor part of the season, a little part of the season. And hopefully, look, everyone I speak to about NRLW is saying it will be longer next year. It's going to be at least... Uh, home and away, so or, or two rounds each. So that will be absolutely amazing. I think it'll give the ladies a little bit of time to get some combinations happening, and um, you'll see teams like the St George Illawarra Dragons doing even better next year if they have those combinations have more time to gel. So congratulations again to both sides, but the Brisbane Broncos back to back, guys. Golden Point, the National State Championship, or as I call it, the Reserve Grade Super Bowl. And that was between the Newtown Jets, uh, who were the Canterbury New South Wales Cup champions, and the Burley Bears, who were, of course, the Intrust Queensland Cup champions. The Jets, they, they were down 16 points to 6, and I, I thought it was done. I thought it was all done. But Newtown came back 20 points to 16, try in the last five seconds. And uh, Adam Wright, if you're listening, mate, you owe me a beer. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why we put a bet on this game. I think we had a conversation on Twitter. You said Queensland Cup was better than New South Wales Cup. I said, I don't think so. We put a bet on this game. I, you owe me a beer. Sorry, mate. I don't even really drink beer, but, mate, I'll have one with you. Um, awesome game. I, I think I got very lucky on that bet. Anyway, that's for sure, because the Bears were looking good for 60 minutes of that game. Guys, golden point over to the Super League. And uh, the Wigan Warriors, well, they went down. Their season is over. And the Salford City Red Devils, uh, the Salford Red Devils, 28 points to 4. What a victory. They go through to the grand final against St. Helens. They'll go in as underdogs, but I don't think they'll mind. And it's just great to see someone new there. Uh, Wiggins and Helens would have been like, would have felt like we've kind of seen all this before. I guess they've played each other quite a bit this year as well. But Salford, St. Helens is going to be something different. I think St. Helens will take it away. But yeah, I think Salford, kind of like Canberra, Canberra Raiders just being there, it's massive for their fan base. If they can win, it's going to be incredible. Um, but I think St. Helens will take that one away. We'll see if I'm right at the end of this week anyway. Should be an absolute cracker of a game. And we're going to find out who will play the Roosters in the World Club Challenge, which Nick Politis, at the end of, uh, at the, end of the game, the NRL on, on Sunday night, he, Nick Politis mentioned to Brad, um, Brad Fittler that the Roosters will be going to England on the 23rd of February to play that World Club Challenge. So uh, it's just I find that really funny because last year... Uh, they spoke about how hard it is to organise the World Club Challenge and how it takes time to get everyone on board. Well, Nick Politis, seemingly, he gets shit done, doesn't he? Five minutes after the Grand Final when the World Club Challenge is organised, even when they don't even know who their opponents are. So I think that's great. Just goes to show that the Roosters really take that game seriously. And whether they play St Helens or Southford next year, it's going to be a big one. So awesome, awesome stuff. Guys, golden point. This is the big one of the weekend for me. But the Toronto Wolfpack, they are in the Super League, baby. Finally, after... Well, not finally. It's only been three years. But they are there. They defeated Featherston 24 points to six. Man, I was nervous before the game, I'll tell you that. But was there ever any doubt? The Toronto Wolfpack, I read a ridiculous stat today that they've won like 82 out of 90-something games in their history. Absolutely incredible. Uh, they deserve their place. They have won their way to the Super League. Uh, a lot of fans in the UK are giving them shit. I don't understand it. 
they rather see a small town in the Super League than a big national city, a big sporting city in Toronto. They're worried about um, away fans. They're worried about... I don't know what they're worried about. They're fucked. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Sorry to say that, but... I shouldn't have said they're fucked, but absolutely ridiculous. That's just how I feel about this, because Toronto Wolfpack in the Super League, it is going to be epic. It's going to be incredible, and this is just the beginning. Rugby League in Canada, Rugby League in North America, finally there's something to aspire to, and uh, I think yeah, in the decades to come, this is going to be a great move. So Toronto Wolfpack, fantastic. The big thing for me is, like, you know, we've been following them on this journey to Super League. The big goal has been getting to Super League. They missed out last year, but they, they made it this year. And, you know, what's the goal now? Well, obviously to win Super League, but, you know, how long is that going to take? I don't know. I'm just, I just can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. So I can't wait to see how that all works and what happens. So congratulations to the Toronto Wolfpack. Ashton Sims goes out a winner, goes out getting the Wolfpack to the Super League. Well done. Well done to all the fans as well. Uh, the crowd there was listed as just under 10,000, but uh, all reports are saying it was closer to about 12,000, but they aren't allowed to go above capacity, which is about 9,700 or something like that. Don't get not Those aren't the exact figures, so yeah, don't quote me on that, but apparently, uh, yeah, weren't allowed to report the actual crowd. Uh, so anyway, let's say 12,000. I'll, I'll believe that. Uh, guys, golden point. League One, not great news for uh, Newcastle Thunder. So the expansion club, uh, they didn't, they're not, get, they're not, they didn't make it. They lost to Oldham Rugby League Football Club, eighteen to fourteen in the League One uh, promotion final. So Oldham will join Whitehaven in the championship next year, a Toronto Wolfpackless championship, uh, but London will be there, so that'll be big. Guys, Golden Point over to Poland. So uh, last week, Poland defeated the Czech Republic 34 points to 18 in Lodz uh, in, in Poland in a friendly test. It's the first time Poland have hosted a test match on home soil. And uh, since Coach Lee Addison has taken over, they've won all six of their matches. So uh, the side ran some school clinics leading up to the event as well. And from all reports, it was a great success. So hopefully it can be followed up because there is plenty of potential there in Poland. Congratulations again to all involved. Uh, guys, um... Uh, golden point over to Wales. So North Wales have just defeated West Wales 44-24 to in the final Welsh Origin match. Uh, Billy Forrester, our, our mate, who appeared on the show a few episodes ago, came off the bench to score two tries. So well done, buddy. Excellent work. Uh, uh, previously, um, East Wales defeated both North Wales and West Wales. So they actually went through to win the whole thing. They wrap up this, the series. Uh, but we'll see some of the best players from this series line up for the Dragon Hearts, the Welsh Dragon Hearts now. They'll be playing matches against South of England Lion Hearts, Lithuania, England Community Lions, and Malta uh, later this year. So fantastic work, Wales. Golden points. And let's uh, come back to Australia. The Kangaroos, they've named their, their squad for the upcoming Oceania Cup matches against the Kiwis and Tonga. They've also named their nine squad, which is a little bit interesting. But uh, the Kangaroos squad... Uh, in no particular order, Josh Adokar, Daly Cherry Evans, Damian Cook, Boyd Corden is the captain, Nick Cottridge, uh, he's new to the squad, Tyson Frizzell, Wade Graham, Payne Haas, he's on debut as well, Ben Hunt, Luke Keery, David Klemmer, Latrell Mitchell, Cameron Munster, 
Cameron Murray, Josh Papali, what a legend, uh, James Tedesco, of course, uh, Jake Trebojevic, Paul Vaughan, yeah, he's on debut, and Jack Whiten's on debut as well after that excellent grand final match. Um, what can I say? I think this is a good side. Young side, a lot of fresh faces, but I think uh, it's a form side. There's definitely some good players there. Um, I think it's going to be they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, of course, I hope New, New Zealand can beat them. Uh, of course, I hope Tonga can come close. But I just think this is a really good young side. Plenty of winners there, whether it be through grand finals or origin. Um, so I just think this is going to be a very strong kangaroo side. Now, the nine side, not exactly what I expected. But let's go through the nine squad that was announced uh, for the Downer World Cup 9. So Josh Adokar is there as well. Uh, Jai Arrow. AJ Brimson, both from the Gold Coast, Nathan Brown from Parramatta, Kyle Felt, Tyson Frizzell, uh, Ruben Garrick, uh, uh, Wade Graham, Clint Gufferson, Ben Hunt, Mitchell Moses, Ryan Pappenhausen, Caelan Ponga, Curtis Scott, and Cody Walker. So, interesting there. So, I think, um, obviously, a lot of young guns there. There's a lot of speed, you know, guys like Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, Clint Gufferson, AJ Brimson, a lot of speed there, which is really good. Um... Good to see guys like Caelan Ponga and Josh Adokar there because I think they need some big names um, that would suit this style of football. Um, I'm a little surprised, to be honest. It feels like they've gone for a bit of youth, which is fine. Um, surprised that we're not seeing names like Damien Cook, who was my tip for the Nines captain. I really thought it was going to be there. A lot of speed. He was on a lot of the on a lot of the um, of the creative for the for the media, a lot of the advertising. So I just thought he'd be captain. I thought he'd be there. Uh, James Tedesco, I thought, would be there as well. And I kind of get the feeling that maybe uh, Mal Coach Mal Meninga sort of gave a lot of these guys the option, whether they wanted to play or not. Uh, I guess guys like Tedesco and Damien Cook wanted the week off. I'm just assuming that, guys. I'm not basing that on any, any inside information. It's just my assumption. But I'm sure Coach Meninga would have liked to have them there. In saying that, I think he's got a good squad. Like Ryan Pappenhausen, for example, he's probably not you know near the Kangaroo squad at the moment. But what an absolute weapon of a nines player he's going to be. And he's got a chance to really prove himself. So I think they're going to do well. Um, I think it does bring them a back to the field a little bit. Uh, I haven't seen New Zealand's side yet, but I'm sure they can field a side as good, maybe better than this. So maybe they'll be the favourites. Um, Fiji could even field a side that's almost as good as this as well, you know. If they if they have their Vunavalus and their Sivos, etc., etc., so it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, at the nines now, given that this is the Australian squad. Uh, England have named their squad as well, which I saw today. So let me just quickly get that up as well. We'll see if we can compare it. Um, and it looks to me as though they've gone for a little bit of youth as well. Um, James Graham, Tom Burgess—they're not very young, but they're there. Uh, Daryl Clark. Jake Connor, so a little bit of youth. Ryan Hall's there. He hasn't had much NRL time this year, but plenty of speed. Uh, some young guys, so Ash Hanley, Jack Hughes, Reese Lynn, uh, Jermaine McGilvray, Ryan Sutton from Canberra, Sam Tompkins is there, Jake Truman, some more young guns, Liam Watts, uh, Elliot Whitehead, Gareth Widdop will be there to steer the ship, along with George Williams. It's a pretty decent side. They've got a bit of speed too. They've got a lot of youth, but quite a bit of experience. Very similar to the Australian side in that regard, so... Could be very interesting, and it's very interesting to see as some of these nine sides uh, start being named. So, very interesting times. Guys, speaking of nines, golden points over to the Cook Islands. So, Canberra fullback, Charles Nickel Klostad, the grand final hero, didn't have a great game, was pulled out of the Cook Islands side for the World Nines. So, understandably, 
It's been a huge first season in the NRL for him, uh, first full season, so he needs a rest. Uh, we wait to hear if this means he's also ruled himself out of the World Cup qualifier against the USA in November. So USA will probably be fingers crossed, hoping that he has. Uh, Cook Island's fingers crossed, hoping that he that he hasn't. So let's watch this space. Guys, golden point over to Turkey and France. So France have handed the Turkish Women's Rugby League team their first ever defeat with a resounding 54 points to 4 victory. Turkish side uh, now know what they have to aim for on their journey towards future World Cups, and I have no doubt that they'll get there eventually. Turkey doing great things in both men's and women's rugby league. Uh, that is a nation that we should all be watching quite closely because there is a lot of improvement there and they will only get better and better. They will be a force to be re reckoned with in the future. Guys, golden point back to the Super League. So congratulations, Jackson Hastings, man of steel. I think this is an interesting one, real redemption story. You know, so he's been a Dragons junior, played a little bit for the Roosters, uh, went over to Manly. Um, probably was, you know, good enough to play first grade at Manly, but obviously had a bit of a falling out with some key staff and players. Uh, so he didn't get his opportunity. Bit of off-field uh, indiscretions, but all, all reports gone over to the Super League. Had a magical season. Uh, great on and off the field. What a redemption story. Now he's in a grand final with Salford. Uh, next year, he's signed to the Wigan Warriors, and I think um, pretty much replacing George Williams, who's going to Canberra. I think he's going to have a great season next year. I think he'll stick around. There's talk of him potentially playing for the GB Lions on the grandparent rule. Um, but I think his redemption story is not over. I think the next step is him coming back to the NRL. Not saying he won't play for Wigan next year. I think he will. He will. I'm not sure how long his contract goes for. And once again, I have no inside information. I'm just, I'm just absolutely guessing here based on what I can see. And I think Jackson Hastings will be back in the NRL uh, in the next couple of years at least. I'm not sure which club or where he'd, where he'd land, but we will see him back, especially if he has another season next year like he did this year. Now, guys, golden point over to the USA. Now, really interesting. In my chat with Steve, I did mention that, um, that and I had this chat with Steve a few days ago. It's worth remembering. I did mention that there was a bit of a schism or some simmering heat under the hood uh, over in the USARL and between them and the Hawks. Uh, and now things have seemed to sort of sprung up in the last couple of days. So there was a little bit of tension, apparently. And I'm going to let, look, listen up, listen in to, uh, I'm, I'm sure Nate Gladden will release an episode about this in the next couple of days. I have spoken to him about it. He's doing a lot of digging. He's digging as deep as he can to get as much information as he can. I'm going to leave that to him. The USA is his area of expertise, but I'll just touch on it now. So uh, for, as I understand, there was a little bit of heat, a little bit of tension on social media, some players upset uh, with not being named in the nine squad to come over here, some domestic players. Uh, there was some a few vocal people. I'm not sure who they were because by the time we woke up, Sydney time, the posts were taken down. So not sure who they were, what it was all about. But since then, on Instagram, a page called American Rugby League popped up. Uh, Breakaway American Rugby League saying that there's a new competition, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'll let you fill in some gaps. Uh, they've changed, since then, they've changed the name to Rugby League USA. It's starting to look less like a Breakaway League and more like a Breakaway National side. They're calling for you know, other American and South American nations to play them in their first match. 
Again, I'm not 100% sure exactly who the players are. I'm not exactly sure how serious this is yet. Um, but it appears to be, it appears to have some, some fire behind it. Uh, important to note that they're not, obviously not aligned with the RLIF. They're not the official body. Uh, so that would make things difficult for them. But yeah, with some of those cracks that Steve and I mentioned in our chat uh, just a, less than a week ago, starting to appear here so not sure exactly what will happen but as i say i'm sure nate gladden will have an episode soon uh, based on the chats i've had with him so looking forward to hearing exactly what's going on hopefully can be resolved interesting times over in the usa uh, guys golden point over to canada so uh, the edmonton elks defeated the calgary cowboys in the first of three alberta cup games uh, over the weekend Massive scoreline, guys, like an absolute tri-fest. This one was 70 points to 46 in favour of the Edmonton Elks. So over 100 points scored, tri-fest, absolutely crazy. Um, so, yeah, would love to see a highlights package of that one. Guys, and uh, Golden Point, Balkan Super League. So Red Star Belgrade, well, they've gone back-to-back -back as well. Uh, they defeated Partisan Belgrade, their local rivals in the Balkan Super League final, 52 points to 30. Um, yeah, it was always going to come down to these two, I guess, two of the best sides in Serbia, two of the best sides in the, in the Balkan region, and Red Star Belgrade have just been too good uh, for everyone over the last couple of years. It was close at, at half-time, 22 points to 12 in favour of, of Red Star, but uh, defence went out the window in that second half, ended up being 52 points to 30, so congratulations to both sides, and congratulations, of course, to Red Star for winning that one. Golden Point, Nigeria in the MEA. So Nigeria are your 2019 Middle East Africa champions after defeating Morocco 38 points to 10 in the grand final. Now, all reports are saying that this one was much closer than the scoreline suggested. Uh, so congratulations to both teams. Also, Ghana, they came in third place with a 10 points to 4 win over Cameroon. Well done to those four competing nations. There should be more next year. So they're talking South Africa, Lebanon potentially being involved in the MEA next year. Uh, successful event, uh, did have some challenges. More of that will come out soon. Uh, but yeah, great work, Nigeria champions. Golden point, and over in New Zealand, the French under-19s have just completed their tour of New Zealand. Uh, and they've had four matches. Um, it's been really good to, to sort of follow along with, actually. So the New Zealand, the French under-19s, they first defeated the Canterbury under-20s on the South Island there. So they defeated them 32 points to 28 little bit of a comeback in that one. Then they defeated the Wakati under under 20s, uh, 28 points to 18. Then the main event, they went down to the New Zealand under 18s, 44 points to 26, but no mean feat, very tough side, the New Zealand under 18s. Uh, and then in Auckland, they went down to the Auckland under 19s in their final game, 38 points to 26. So really good to see the French under 19s touring. Uh, according to our, our French listener in New Zealand, uh, Yen Roo, he said that Luke Brockers was the star player for the French side. Uh, played sort of all over the place. Play, filled many positions throughout the tournament, uh, throughout the tour. Uh, so look out for that name in the future, maybe for Catalans one day or Toulouse or something like that, hopefully. See how they go. Guys, golden point over to Italy. So this is a touchy one, but there were some... A few people have been asking me about, about this, but there were some reports that the probably the most prominent rugby league side in Italy, the Saluzzo, Northwest Roosters, there was talk that they had switched back to Rugby Union, and a few people were reaching out 
couple of mornings ago asking me about this, so I had to do a little bit of digging. Uh, what I did find out that uh, was Saluzzo, they were in the news, uh, and what actually happened was, so anyone who's been listening to this show for a while will know Saluzzo, they play in the Northwest 2 division over in the French Rugby League. Uh, they did that last year, possibly the year before as well, um, but this year, or this season, they will not be. And reason being is apparently uh, the costs were becoming a little bit much for the French uh, amateur sides to, to come across to Italy to play these matches. So the French Rugby League, they've, uh, they've upped the fees for Saluzzo to take part in their competition. Saluzzo could not afford the fees. They've said no, so they've pulled out of the French League. Uh, so some people were saying this must mean they're going back to Rugby Union. Um, not necessarily the case. I have learnt over the weekend as well that they have confirmed their place and will be taking part in the Italian Winter Rugby League Championship, which will be starting soon with uh, all of those clubs that we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, actually. So more clubs coming on board, board according to Arazio Dara as well. We're going to learn more about that in the near future. Follow, follow our social media pages to learn more about that. Hopefully be speaking to Arazio soon to get some more information for you. But Saluzzo, the Roosters, they are still a strong Italian rugby league club. Uh, they ain't going anywhere. Guys, uh, final golden point for the night. So back over to Canada, and it's been confirmed there will be an East versus West origin at Lamport Stadium in Toronto, January 11, 2020. So I know a lot of the guys from Canadian Rugby League and all of the provinces have, have been working hard to make this one happen. Uh, on the West, they'll be represented by players from British Columbia Rugby League, the Alberta Rugby League, and the Saskatchewan uh, province. I hope I pronounced that one correctly. Uh, the East, they'll be represented by Ontario, uh, the players from Quebec, and potentially the Maritimes as well. Uh, so really exciting times. It's going to be men and women. Uh, there'll be a men's game and a women's game. And this is the first time ever that players from the East will take on players from the West. So crazy, but really exciting. And hopefully this builds into a two or three game per year series. It's just a one-off next year, uh, but hopefully there's a return. And um, yeah, watch this space. Canada, Rugby League growing, and Toronto Wolfpack being in Super League is only going to help that. Well, guys, that's it for Golden Points. And I did promise you I'd explain some things. So at the start of the episode, I did say that this would be the last episode of Chasing Kangaroos for a, a little while. It's not bad news, it's actually really cool news and it's still hard for me to believe. I'm actually um, yeah, very excited to be able to share this with you. But some time ago I was approached by the RLIF, the Rugby League International Federation, about potentially being the host of the official Rugby League, uh, International Rugby League podcast in collaboration with them. Uh, and I've jumped at the chance... Um, We've been going back and forth on a few technicalities and things like that, but we've, we've we've got it sorted out at this point, and that'll be starting next week. It's going to be a six-week series, six-episode series. Um, we're going to go through the Nines. We're going to go through Oceania Cup, Great Britain Lions Tour, uh, World Cup qualifiers, all the way through to Golden Boot. I'm really excited. I'm really pumped absolutely humbled by the opportunity like can't believe it like i'm just i don't know what to say like i'm just a normal dude who started a podcast with his mates about international rugby league because not many other people were talking about it you know just trying to grow the game and 
somehow here we are you know we've been rec- I'm being recognized and that's thanks to you guys for listening like I just appreciate you being here with me along for the journey we're all in this together we're all hashtag growing the game together and uh you know it's really exciting time so like I said it's going to be a six uh, episode series so I'm going to hold off on recording episodes of Chasing Kangaroos during that period just because I'll, I'll obviously be quite busy with it and I don't want to double up too much um for you guys, if you subscribe to Chasing Kangaroos, it won't make a difference. So it, I'll, I'm going to upload episodes of the official International Rugby League podcast right here. Um, so you guys don't have to do anything. Unless you haven't subscribed, in that case, hit that subscribe button. And you'll make sure you get that episode next week and the, and the following episodes as well. Um, just be aware, the name, of, name will change, the logo will probably change. But just be aware of that for, for next week. Uh, when you do listen and um yeah like like i said like still still pinching myself like this is massive massive for me so just really excited about it very humbled by it all as well um guys uh, as always if you're not following us on the socials please do instagram facebook and twitter um find us follow us plenty of good content there share it with your friends share the show with your friends if you like what you're hearing guys as always as well thank you to ricky cancino and ash barco for the theme music. I'm Michael Carboni. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me. And for the last time, for the next couple of months anyway, fuck you, Nagati. <laughs>